Welcome to the Graphic Campus Podcast. This is our inaugural podcast. My name is Teresa Yang. And I'm Rosa Lee. We wanted to talk about first, what is Graphic Campus? Mm -hmm. Graphic Campus has evolved since its inception. However, our mission to support K-8 educators, parents, and students in the area of reading and writing has been unwavering. We've created a space to offer writing workshop coaching, literacy nights, book festivals, and literacy-related teaching toolkits. We teamed up with Jean Luen Yang, and Graphic Campus was born. So we initially started as a way to support teachers in literacy instruction using words and pictures. We also wanted to connect authors, illustrators with educators and to figure out ways we could bring more literacy and support teachers in the classroom. Here with us today is Jean Luen Yang. Hi everybody. You might have heard of him before. Thank you. Teresa and Rosa for inviting me onto the inaugural episode <laughs> of your podcast. Before we get started with you all asking me questions, can I ask you all a few questions? Sure. How did this whole graphic campus thing get started? Well, you know, it started actually in the classroom. Both of us used to be teachers in the elementary school level, and there's not a lot of um, professional development for writing. And after we came out of the classroom, we saw our kids' teachers really struggling with the writing instruction to the point where some of them had just stopped teaching writing. And so there was definitely a need for supporting them in the classroom. And one of the ways that uh, we decided to do that was to go back into the classroom as coaches. And so we started coaching our own children's teachers in writing workshops specifically as a way to uh, improve literacy instruction for our own children. But then it sort of grew from there. I'm all about the tough questions, you know? That's kind of what I'm known for. So do you mind if I ask you a couple of tough questions? Here's the first tough question is, why should anyone listen to you two? So my background happens to be that I got a master's degree in education and I was, through teacher leadership, I was able to focus on teaching writing or writing workshops specifically. And so I felt like, because when I grew up, I felt like I wasn't a really good writer and I didn't feel like I received a very strong writing education just because I didn't feel like I was a good writer growing up or in college. I felt like I really wanted to support teachers in that area and I felt like because I'm not teaching my own classroom at this time, I had taught first and second grade for 11 years and I was able to step back and um, really see what teachers needed especially for my own children's classrooms, I could really lend a hand where it was needed. And this is in California. And Virginia. And Virginia. Yeah. Multi-state mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. yeah. 
And how about you, Teresa? Why should anyone listen to you? Oh. Meaning, brag about your own <laughs> credentials. <laughs> I also did not really have a lot of training in writing instruction prior to uh, my master's degree. And um, it was actually in the credentialing program that I started after I had taught for two years. And um, having had two years of teaching experience before going back into, uh, I mean, going into a credentialing program made me sort of aware of where our weaknesses were in the classroom and at the school-wide level for, in, in terms of professional development. So I kind of went into the credentialing program with my eyes wide open, ready to take in anything that I knew I wasn't going to get support in after I left the credentialing program. Mm -hmm. And so when our professor really went into um, writing workshop, I was definitely you know, paying close attention to what she was doing. And then hearing from Rosa what she had been learning in her program and knowing afterwards too that, you know, our school district diocese wasn't going to offer any professional development for writing. I had to seek out my own training even afterwards, but the credential program was definitely helpful, um, once I went back into my own classroom and started really engaging with the kids, I'm not a strong writer, but over and over the kids would say to me that writing workshop was their favorite class. I enjoyed teaching writing because I know how to break it up for the kids. Um, and the workshop process makes it so that kids at all different levels can learn together from each other at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I loved using mentor texts because um, I love using books to show us an aspect of writing and the kids um, can really see how authors go through a writing process. Um, nowadays you have, you have access to a lot of YouTube videos of actual authors giving interviews about their process and so um, we have a lot more access to authors. but a lot of teachers don't really use those interviews for their own teaching and so part of what we do is to kind of navigate with them how to look for authors and how to incorporate them into their teaching mm. so it sounds like between the two of you you have a couple of decades of experience in the classroom mm -hmm. not just as teachers but also as parents supporting teachers and as uh, you went through these years, you discovered that there really is a deep need in today's educational landscape for writing instruction. Mm -hmm. And that's why you all started Graphic Campus. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> now, let me ask about this part, too. Um, what's the graphic part of Graphic Campus? What does that mean? We really think that pictures and words combined together can help kids read and write better and when teachers instruct using both pictures and words kids are able to understand we think better what the teacher is trying to get at and so everything we present in graphic campus uses both pictures and words we've seen the research that shows 
uh, visual learners tend to retain information longer. And even though writing is a process where you use a lot of words, when you can break down the process graphically by using, you know, graphic organizers or, um, again, pictures to break up even parts of a book or a story into pictures, the kids can use that information and translate it into even other genres easier or much easily. Yeah, that's where the graphic comes from. The campus is that we are learning and teaching with teachers together. And so um, it's, it's all a process. Writing is a process. Teaching and learning is a process. Everything is. Um, we're doing it collaboratively. Mm. So it's like you're all on one big campus together, even mm -hmm. if you're not physically together. Right. That's right. That's great. What, what sort of um, things have you already done? One thing that we try to consistently do is look up new books and figure out how we can have teachers use those books, creating discussion questions and possibly extension activities for kids that we post um, on our website. And also uh, we do an annual Young Authors Book Festival. Tune in to our next podcast. We have so much to say about the Young Authors Book Festival. None of the authors that we know of really talk about writing in a formulaic way. Right. Everything is very much a creative kind of writing and um, inspired by many different things that have happened in their lives. So I think that in this writing workshop format, which we try to support teachers with, we really try to bring in that aspect of creative writing and constantly processing and editing and having a work in progress before publishing. And then of course, publishing and having a great celebration after, because that really is by far all the kids' favorites parts. Mm. Ours too, for so, teachers. So that, that was actually the one of the main purposes of the first book festival. Sounds great. <laughs> now, one last question before I hand back the interview or to microphone us. to you all. Um, how, how do you all know each other? Are you all friends or how do you know each other? I think Teresa has known me since the first day I was born. <laughs> um, yeah, so Teresa and I are sisters and Teresa is married to Jean so that he would be my brother-in-law. <laughs> and actually, the funny thing is, this is not the first time the three of us have actually teamed together. That's, That's right. Right when we were out of college, <laughs> we ran a tutoring program. It was a math tutoring program mm -hmm. in uh, Oakland, California mm -hmm. for uh, an elementary school um, that was struggling in that area. Mm -hmm. And we ran it for That's a summer. summer. It was, it was fun. fun. Yeah, for the most part. For the most part, it was fun. Yeah. And that's how I ended up in this humble recording studio with uh, these two uh, brilliant educators. So we are going to take the mic back from Jean Luen Yang. So can you tell everyone, who are you? My name is Jean, and uh, I am Teresa's husband. 
I'm also a cartoonist, which means I write and draw comic books and graphic novels. I've been doing this for about 20 years now, just over 20 years. Uh, these days I work for a bunch of different publishers, including First Second Books, Marvel Comics, and DC Comics. And how did you get started? Well, I got started because I really loved comic books when I was a kid. My mom bought me my very first comic when I was in fifth grade off of a spinner rack at my local bookstore. And after that, I just kind of fell in love with the medium. You know, one of the things that I love the most, maybe the thing I love the most about comics is that anybody can make them. Mm -hmm. I remember finishing my very first comic book and thinking, wow, this is just drawings on paper. <laughs> and I know how to draw on paper, so I can make one of these things. I'd always been interested in drawing. I'd always been interested in stories. But up until that point, I always thought if I wanted to tell stories by drawing, I would actually have to get into animation. And back in the 80s, it's not like today. So today, kids, if they want to make little animated shorts on their mm. laptops, they can. But back in the 80s, when I was growing up, I had no idea how I would make a cartoon. But a comic book, I could do. Mm -hmm. uh, I still think that's true, right? I still think that you can get a whole class of kids um, to, to make comic books relatively easy. You can, you can teach a lesson and have every kid with a page of comics in front of them that they made themselves with their own pens, expressing their own ideas by the end of the week. So how did it go from there? Well, uh, Because many kids draw comics. Many kids like comic books, but how does it get from like to a career? Yeah, that was, to be honest, that was really unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, went to college and I majored in computer science because I have an immigrant father who <laughs> would not let me major in art. I did minor in creative writing though, but after I graduated from college with my computer science degree, I realized. If I die without publishing one comic book, I'm going to die unfulfilled, you know? And that was my that was my original goal. I just wanted to put out one comic book with my name on it. Um, I didn't want to go through Marvel or DC or any of the big companies because I knew they were going to tell me no. So I looked up how to self-publish my own comic book. I, I did a bunch of research on the internet. The internet was a brand new thing at the time. Like the World Wide Web was a brand new thing at the time. And that was one of the first things I did on it was I looked up interviews with other self-publishing cartoonists guys like jeff smith who's still in the game mm -hmm. he he does uh bone from scholastic oh, yeah right yeah he's one of the one of the i think he's one of the founding fathers of the kids graphic novel movement in america huh. but i looked up interviews with people like him he began as a self-publisher and i figured it out i figured out uh what printers to call I, I figured out um, the amount of money I would need to do it. I saved up the money and I put out my very first comic book a, a couple of years out of college. Uh, originally, that was that was it. That was my first goal. Actually, the very first comic I did it kind of I did it kind of backwards. So most people, when they start self-publishing comics, they will photocopy their comics mm -hmm. and like staple them by hand and right. sell them. But I actually went with what's called offset printing. But offset printing is a is the way most comic books like professional comic books are pub are, are printed right and oh, that's wow. what jeff smith did so that's what i wanted to do hmm. and it caught like in the i mean it wasn't it was it wasn't cheap it was like back in the 90s it was like three thousand dollars to oh, do wow. it wow so i saved up that three grand and i justified spending it on publishing comics <laughs> so what, which, what was the name of that yeah 
the the first book I did was called Gordon Yamamoto and the King of the Geeks. It's、mm-hmm. about a young man who gets a spaceship stuck in his nose, and he becomes friends with the alien that's living inside the ship. Loosely inspired by my own struggles with sinus issues. <laughs> okay, you guys are laughing because you know <laughs> from firsthand experience. But、yes. I loved I loved the whole process. You know, it was it was kind of a pain in the butt. It was kind、mm-hmm. of a pain in the butt to negotiate with printers. It was、uh, a pain in the butt to figure out all the little、uh, businessy parts of doing that. But overall, it was like one of the most fulfilling things I'd done in my life. So I wanted to do it again, and I did. I ended up、um, doing three issues of Gordon Yamamoto and the King of Geeks. I did、um, three more issues of a different series called Loyola Chin and the San Peligran Order. And eventually, I started getting some. Noticed by small publishers. All the way through, though, even when I was working with my first couple of publishers, I was losing money with every single comic I was putting out. It just—I mean, even now, I would say that, like, if you love money, you should just stay away from <laughs> comics in particular and books in general because they're just—it's not a good way to make money. But I just liked it. I really liked it, and I wanted to do it again and again and again.、Right. So, how long did it take from beginning to end of that first comic book? It took me so it was thirty-two pages.、Um, I was working full time, and I was also trying to figure it out as I went. It、okay. took me a year to do those thirty to to take those thirty-two pages and to put it out as a comic book.、It、took me a year to do. So how did you sell it?、Um, I had to I had to figure that out too. So I I actually you know sometimes now I I do these talks at schools and at libraries. And、um, kids will ask me how to get started in comics or in books or in poetry, something like that. And I always encourage them to self-publish first. You're not going to make any money, but in a lot of ways, it's like training yourself in how books work.、Mm-hmm. You know.、Um, so the way I got it out was I contacted a company called Diamond Comics. They are the the pretty much the biggest. A, a lot of people think of them as a monopoly, right? Like most. Comic book stores. The vast majority of comic book stores in America will buy their stuff through Diamond.、Mm. So、oh. I, I, I contacted Diamond. I figured out how to get my book listed in their catalog. They did, and I sold it through that. I also sold through local stores on consignment, which is something else I had to figure out. Consignment is where you leave your product, in this case, a comic book, on the shelf of a store for free. And then a couple weeks later, you come and see if it's sold. If it's sold, the, the store will give you a,、uh, like like some money for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I did that, and I also sold it by hand at like shows at at comic book conventions、oh, okay. and stuff.、Yeah. Wow! So、that、going、like、through that、work. whole process makes you really appreciate how far you've come. Yeah,、right? sure. Because sure. now you get to create, and you don't have to quite worry about how it's going to get printed or. How it's going to get marketed as much? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think,、um, I think if you had told me when I was in my twenties, when I was self-publishing Gordon Yamamoto and the King of the Geeks, that I would be here in my career today, I wouldn't have believed you. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it's not just that; it's not just my own career, but it's the state of comic books and graphic novels in America in general. You know,、um, the the turning point in my career really was two thousand six when. My current publisher for second books, one of my current publishers、uh, for second books, put out American Born Chinese, which was my first、mm-hmm. full color graphic novel.、Uh, the educators and librarians that came out to support that book really changed my life.、Mm-hmm. Right? They 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 basically gave me my career, and、um, 
in a lot of ways, I think librarians and educators were also at the forefront of pushing the idea of the graphic novel. Like in the 90s, nobody knew what a graphic novel was. By 2010, everybody did. And it's really because like librarians were out there and, and teachers were out there going, you should pay attention to this. Mm -hmm. So I really, I, I feel like I owe my, my whole career to, to librarians mm -hmm. and teachers. A lot of times you read a book and it's by a certain author and you don't realize that these authors are real people. <laughs> And a lot of times they're, they seem unreachable or they seem like untouchable mm -hmm. and definitely it's hard to get to know them because they're just there. I mean, you could have a favorite author, but it takes, it's hard to actually meet them. And so I thought that one way we could connect authors to readers is through this podcast and to make authors more real. And in doing that, we can inspire more kids and students to or even adults actually to write and to be creative and to create what would you say to either a student or an adult who wants to write but might be reluctant where can they get their ideas how do they get started I think that's one of the hardest things for a writer is to get started. Every, every time I'm sitting down uh, to a blank screen or a blank page, there's a, a bit of fear that I have to fight off mm -hmm. in order to do it. I, I think um, a lot of us have this voice in our heads that mm -hmm. tell us tells us that everything we do is garbage. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is the writer's task. It's like part of your journey to kind of resist the voice to get something on paper. Uh, a, a lot of times, you know, I, I teach through Hamlin University in um, Minnesota. Yeah, I teach through the MFA program. Most of my students are adults who are interested in writing for children. And sometimes if one of my students is feeling this very common fear in a particularly strong way, I'll tell them to purposely do a garbage draft, mm -hmm. meaning you write something that you know is terrible mm -hmm. just to get your pen to move across the page mm -hmm. or just to get your fingers to move across that keyboard. And often halfway through that garbage draft, something will click and things will start getting a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Right. But I, I think that's it. You just have to, whatever it, it takes, you just, you just put your pen to paper mm -hmm. or you put your fingers on that keyboard and you go. I, I love that you do that. And actually I borrowed that when I was teaching our own daughter and our little crew writing this, when we we're drawing, writing our draft for their biographies. And that first draft is really intimidating to mm -hmm. take all your research and figure out where am I going to start? What's the right word? What's that first sentence? They were asking me, how, how do I think of a title? And, and I said, as soon as I said, this is your garbage draft, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take, you know, Jean's idea of the first draft being a garbage draft. They loved the fact that they could even call it a garbage draft, mm -hmm. but I could see, you know, just as they heard it and went back to their paper that it took this huge load, yeah. this stress off of their shoulders. And they were able to write actually pretty freely after that. And actually I, I, I was surprised by the quality of that first draft, but, um, Meaning it wasn't garbage. It wasn't garbage. We mm. we had something 
you know, mm-hmm. definitely you something to work with, to work with for a yeah. next draft mm-hmm. that we could actually edit. We didn't actually have to throw that entire thing out. And so it was amazing to me, even at their level, at their age, that there is a lot of stress mm-hmm. with writing that first draft and that the blank page is so intimidating when you first get started even after doing weeks and weeks of research they had plenty of things to write about but not knowing exactly where to start and you know there's all these expectations that you put on yourself about how you're supposed to sound in your writing Jean can you tell us uh, what your next project is or where where are we gonna find you next well, I'm, I'm working on a few things. I just, uh, in 2020, last year, I had a couple of books come out. Uh, I had a book called Dragon Hoops come mm-hmm. out, which is a book that I wrote and drew that was colored by my friend Mark Pian. Yep. It's a nonfiction graphic novel about a high school basketball team out of Oakland, California. And then I also had a book come out from DC Comics called Superman Smashes of the Clan mm-hmm. uh, that was written by me and drawn by Guri Hiru, this mm-hmm. amazing Japanese art studio. Those two books took a lot out of me, I gotta say. <laughs> um, both of them were pretty uh, emotionally wrought books to, mm-hmm. to do. And, and in some ways, I feel like I'm still kind of recovering a little bit. So so right now, um, I, I am in the early stages of a graphic novel, but the, the immediate work that I have in front of me are monthly comics. So I'm doing a, a monthly comic for Marvel called Shang-Chi, which is about their kung fu superhero. The main character is sort of mm-hmm. like Bruce Lee, but in the Marvel Universe. And I'm doing Batman Superman for DC Comics, which is a team-up book starring their two most popular superheroes. Mm-hmm. Now, your your books don't seem related to each other uh, initially when you just think say the titles out loud. So for all of our young authors out there, where, where do you get your ideas or how do you get started? I think your own life is a great place mm-hmm. to look for ideas. Mm-hmm. And remember, stories are all about conflict, right? Like, if you don't have conflict, you don't have a story. Right. So it's really, conflict is like negative emotions. Mm-hmm. So I, I think um, in a lot of ways, if you look at your own life and you look at the things that make you mad or make you sad or make you annoyed, mm-hmm. often you'll find story ideas there. Hmm. And, and one, of the, one of the benefits of it, this doesn't happen every time, but sometimes when you write a story around something that makes you mad or sad or annoyed, you kind of figure it out. And that a negative emotion goes away a little bit. Yeah. We want authors to be reachable and to approachable. Approachable yeah. and they feel like they're your friends mm-hmm. because when you make authors feel more real, it feels like I can also do it too. We do have kids who look forward to meeting professional authors at the book festival every year. Mm-hmm. And so because we only do it once a year, they have to wait a whole year before they hear the next author. So it's just a great way to meet authors in another setting mm-hmm. in a different way more often than at our you know, annual book festival. Yeah. So Jean, do you have any final words? as our first guest on our Graphic Campus podcast. Yeah, congratulations on your (laughs) inaugural episode of the Graphic Campus podcast. And can you quickly tell us where to find you on social media? Yes, I am at my name. So jinluenyang.com. That's G-E-N-E-L-U-E-N-Y-E-N-G. I'm at the same handle on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook. Yay, thank you. Thank you for joining us for our very first podcast. We hope you heard something that will inspire you to read or write. 
Find us on graphiccampus.com and on Facebook and Instagram. We'll catch you next time.